Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 171st episode of the Truth Island podcast. What's in it for me is probably one of the first things that each of us asks ourselves before doing just about anything. Yet according to many religious scriptures, doing things for the sake of simply the reward is not necessarily a bad thing, but it certainly isn't the best reason as to why one ought to perform a noble deed. Even the concept of altruism itself isn't entirely binary, but rather exists on a spectrum. For example, if someone enjoys volunteering at a soup kitchen because it gives them a sense of purpose and a warm, tingly feeling inside, it can be said that they are not entirely altruistic, as they are still chasing the reward of the positive sensation which performing the service initiates. Perhaps a higher form of altruism might be the person who volunteers to clean up a landfill and leaves with no warm, tingly feeling inside, but rather leaves instead with a desire to take a warm shower to clean out his outside. Another question that emerges is how exactly do we evaluate potential good doers who are in it for all the right reasons, but end up realizing far too late that they are not actually serving a good cause. For example, what is to be said of the ambitious young person that volunteers to work for a nonprofit, thinking they are doing good for the world, only to find out later on that their fundraising efforts are not being used to help people, but simply line the pockets of over-bloated administration costs. Assuming the person performing the righteous deed had their heart in the right place, Is it fair to say that they still have performed a good deed, even though their efforts did not bear such fruits, or even worse, led to something bad happening? Joining me to help determine when we should do something without the prospect of a reward, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, I think I have an idea of how you'll stand, but I want to hear your thoughts on this quote. Better to be a warm-hearted fool than a cold-blooded cynic. What say you? (laughs) okay well (laughs) i think um i think both of them definitely have their good place um but yeah i i i think just simply in the way that i believe the world operates and i believe the world works then a warm-hearted fool usually does far better than a cold-hearted cynic it's the whole i mean and that's really that's what a great great deal of us believe that's why we love the christmas carol so much yeah, we see this cold-hearted cynic Scrooge who is turned into a warm-hearted fool at the end. And it's not just him. We have the same thing happening with things like, uh, uh, well, film is this, I'm thinking, uh, you know, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Every movie where there is, a, as long as it's not a horror, um, where there's a, a, a cynical but lovable uh, protagonist. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I have mixed feelings on this a a little bit here. I think the warm-hearted fool probably goes through life a lot happier than the cold-blooded cynic because the cynic is going to be closed off to new people. They're going to be closed off to um, new ideas, new people, and they're they're constantly they're constantly thinking to themselves with every new. and, And this is something that I've noticed amongst incredibly intelligent people is that they tend to be a little aloof and standoffish. And the reason that, and I didn't understand at first why that is. I'm like, well, why can't you just be a good, jolly, happy person like everyone else? And I realized that they're probably thinking in in their head, what does this guy want from me? Why is he telling me this? what's What's he gonna get after? And, you know, typically people who are very successful in business, this is how they think. They're like, 
why, why are you giving me this card right now? Why are you telling me this? Why, why are you doing this? And it's tough for me because they're not entirely wrong. Like their instincts of like, I don't think this person's just being nice right now have led them to probably be successful. Right. You know, because, because they're able to kind of, uh, deduce the motivations and the intentions behind others, it has allowed them to be a lot more calculating, maybe a little bit more unhappier in life, but more successful. So it's kind of paradoxical that on one hand, being a cynic will make you miserable, but on the other, it it kind of makes you more successful when it comes to like worldly pursuits. Yeah, I mean, it does. What should I say? It could, Uh, because at at the end of the day, you know, the warm, the warm-hearted fool sometimes also kind of succeeds too, because people just like him, and so because they like him, they always give him or give him or her opportunities to succeed. They find that he or she is easily hired, easily promoted, um, easily trusted with funds and so forth. The cynic and the cold-hearted cynic usually makes it either through, you know, makes it on his own because he's a cutthroat savage calculating and knows exactly what to do about certain situations but yeah he's he's often most likely to succeed especially when it comes to finances and succeed astronomically but yeah usually they're unhappy um and and it's it's not that it's not that they're unhappy that's not true because a lot of them are sort of kind of happy with life and they have everything they want you know they have the pleasures of life they are happy but this it's not it's not happiness it's it's a and sometimes they don't even know that this exists. It's a fundamental joyfulness to be alive, of, of, a fundamental joy of being alive. You know, I don't know how, it, it, it's, uh, it's that childlike, it, it's joy, it's joy. They, they're usually happy because of the things that do, and it doesn't last very long, does it? The, 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 financial, the, sorry, the financial rewards, physical rewards of your, of, your, of, your, of your labors. And when at the end of the day, uh, not only is the happiness fleeting, but you you don't have you don't have that fundamental vigor to live. You know, you find that a lot of uh, you know they they say that if money answers everything, why do we have millionaires committing suicide? But yeah, I, I would I, I still lean I still lean towards more more. I know there's a place for the cynical, for the cold cynic, but I lean more towards the the warm-hearted fool. Sometimes it may be good to be a warm-hearted cynic. Um. <laughs> I, I I actually had a feeling when I uh, proposed this question, you might uh, think that, and you know I, you know I I think when I was younger, I definitely was more on the cynical side, and now I'm starting to feel a little bit warmer. <laughs> I hope so, or may you know, or maybe not, depending on who you ask. Um, I, I'm trying to to figure out both sides of this because it's really, really tough because I think that, and we've talked about this before, is that there are a lot of warm-hearted fools and they get burned, right? They, they, they get burned. They're like, you know, they have that one friend in their life who never repays that $500. They have that one friend who's, oh, I forgot my wallet. Would you mind spotting me on that drink or whatever? You know, it just, and it kind of escalates. And I think that there is uh, a danger, like that there can be like a danger where our warm-hearted fool begins feeling a little bit too foolish. And 
I'm, I'm worried that they will become jaded and that, and they will become more reluctant in the future to help people as a result of having some early experiences uh, being burnt by others. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, so a couple of days ago, my wife had put up uh, an ad on, I believe, Facebook Marketplace, and she wanted to get, we wanted to get rid of one of our dresses. And I was, I just told, hey, you know, we should probably just take this to the dump because, you know, I don't want to deal with it. And she says, and uh, her and uh, another friend of mine, uh, Phil, actually said, you know, put it on Facebook Marketplace because someone will just come pick it up and they'll, they'll take it off your hands ASAP. So we did. And so my wife's communicating with about maybe three or four different uh, persons of interest and uh, finally get to the one who's ready and prime to come pick it up. And uh, they, come, they, you know, they communicate for a bit and they say, we'll come pick it up the very next day. So they come over, you know, with a truck, help them carry the dresser in. Now, here's the thing. We, we, put, we listed the dresser free. We just wanted them to pick it up. We didn't, uh, we didn't charge them a damn thing. And uh, a couple hours later, after they picked it up, I think sometime in the evening, my wife received a text from somebody on Facebook Marketplace saying, hey, um, and I think this was a lady who was also interested in it at some point, but she was in, she was in a um, somewhat you know, lower in the queue. And uh, she texts my wife, she says, hey, just so you know, the person who you, you know, freely gave that dresser has it listed now for a good amount of money. And she says, I just think that's unfair. And someone is taking advantage of your kindness. And uh, <laughs> my wife, she comes up to me. And, this is a beautiful uh, story. This is a great story. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife says, she writes her, she says, well, that's the whole point of kindness, isn't it? That's the whole point, is that it's, it's there to be, it's there to be a benefit to others and it's there to be taken advantage by others that's the whole if it wasn't kindness it wouldn't be uh it wouldn't it wouldn't be how you say it wouldn't be willing to be taken advantage of so um i don't know how the conversation the rest of the conversation went but the point being i think that's bloody true wow um the there is a person who is 100 percent who understands that the one of the fundamental laws of nature, because human beings exist, is that one, a human being will be taken advantage of by other human beings. It is inevitable. Even your children will take advantage of you. This is inevitable. So I, I think that kindness, when, when, when we talk about the warm-hearted fool, now we're talking, there are two types of fools. There is the fool who is truly in fact a fool. There's a fool who is, you know, not in any way understanding of the nature of reality, not in any way understanding of the nature of man, and not in any way does, has no understanding of himself. He is, in fact, a fool. Imbecile, you know, the happy imbecile. But there's a different kind of fool. There's a fool who is considered a fool by others, yet he himself remains wise. It doesn't matter how he makes the decisions that make him look incredibly foolish. But at the end of the day, it sort of kind of always works out for him 
So I think that if we're talking about the true fool, the wise fool, then a wise fool knows warm-heartedly or not that he will be taken advantage of. And he also knows that it's part of it's part of the deal. It's part of, you know, um, it's part of what you signed up for. So, yeah. Wow. So the, the, this, I think that this story, thank you for sharing that story, by the way, because I, I think it fits in perfectly with this topic. It's like, it's like the perfect puzzle piece right here. Uh, so many questions I have to ask. Um, and you probably don't even know the answer to some of these. When the people who picked up the dresser, did they explicitly say, hey, I have a son, this is going to be perfect in his bedroom? Like, did they deceive you that they were going to use the dresser for, you know, uh, their family? Or did they, um, you know, you know, did, or did they just not say anything? Um, I don't know. I don't think, I didn't really deal much with them. I just helped them, you know, they talked more with my wife. But um, I can't say for certain that they did. Um, but I can see how that would be act being, you know, if they did, they would have actively deceived us. Yeah. I, I think that makes a little bit of a difference. If like, like if they messaged your wife and said, Oh my goodness, this would be perfect for our living room or for our child's mm-hmm. room. And then they, you know, and then they turn around and put it for sale. There's obviously an act of deception. And whereas in this case, they just said, okay, we'll come pick it up. And they never stated what they intended to do with the dresser. Uh, you know, we could argue maybe it's uh not the most transparent move in the world, but they didn't actively say they were going to do something else with the dresser. So again, those are some of the questions that, you know, one has to ask for ourselves. Yeah, the a, a positive thing is, you know, I suppose the, uh, the wise fool or, or maybe just the wise person could say, Hey, I'm really glad that these people, you know, maybe these people were in dire straits. Maybe they, they wouldn't be able to make their rent had they not sold that dresser or something. So maybe the wise person can find some kind of solace in the fact that like these people really needed the money and having this dresser really helped them pay, pay their rent. And then at the same time, someone else bought that dresser and now they're enjoying it. So it's not like it was burnt in a giant, you know, heap of fire. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, that's the thing is that even if it wasn't for rent and it was for something as malicious as just being deceptive, you know, deceptive, yeah, Um, then it's still still the way the world works. Um, And we have to be okay with that. People aren't always going to be the most virtuous people aren't always going to have your interests in mind or have any any stock in the common good mm-hmm. so and that's a place that's a place where um that's a place where we have to say you know what it is what it is as much as i love that saying it is part of what's it is part of being alive you know in this time and age now, the, now, I think that the reaction of the person that gets uh, screwed over is actually very telling as to their actual character, because in this dresser scenario, there's two ways that you could react. One way is, oh, you know what, man, we should have put it up on, on Craigslist for $200 or whatever it is, you know, and then in that way, you kind of betray yourself and reveal like, man, I was being, I I wasn't really a good person. I was just being a bit foolish. Or if you're truly a good person and you say, hey, glad to have helped someone out, or hey, um, I didn't intend on making money regardless of whatever anyone else does with that dresser. So I think, I think it's in that react, it's in your reaction to being fooled 
that really uh, reveals what your real character is. Yeah, um, how you say it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, you know, um, it's not the good things in life to show you who you really are. It's those hard things and how your responses are nice. So yeah, um, it it really does show what kind of and it's kind of like even how you find out what with a person's ultra quotes and quotes altruistic act, uh, uh, actions towards you are truly altruistic and kind and so forth. It's like, you know, the person who wants to give you something wonderful or something good, something whatever, and they expe always expect to thank you or they expect you to, you know, to always this, to have a very deep and emotional response. And if you don't have that, it just wasn't good enough. You know? and <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's, it's, what did you give this to me for? Did you give it to me because you wanted to, you know, you wanted to, you wanted to receive you know even if it's not you know value for value yeah um, but you wanted to receive something from me and when you didn't get that you got really upset you know it's like grandma giving you know, giving uh, PJs to her grandson and he's like I don't care about this <laughs> say I don't care about this and uh, and now grandma is like you know grandma's throwing a fit. Grandma doesn't like that, but boy doesn't like this well, you know. Well, did you give it to him because well, why did you give it to him, grandma then? You know? I you know, it's funny you mentioned that when I go to someone's birthday and I buy someone a gift, I always make sure that I ask for a gift receipt. And I always put it on whatever shirt I buy. I always put the gift receipt on the bottom and I always, and I have no, if, if I never see that person wear that shirt or whatever I bought them, I will not be offended in even the slightest. It's hard to, it's hard to know unless someone explicitly tells you that they want something. It's really hard to get into their mind, know that. So I always include a gift receipt and I take no offense if that person the next day goes to the store and returns it because, you know, who I'm just taking a, a wild guess that this will be something that they will enjoy. But if the money brings greater enjoyment or they have a greater need for money as opposed to some shirt that they'll never wear, by all means, please return the shirt and get money and get money and use that money to something wise. That would make me oh. actually, that would make me a lot happier. You know, I sometimes, I just don't give cash because it's a little on the lazy side and a little thoughtless. So I try and put some thought, but again, I, if I, if my thoughts are in the wrong direction, I take no offense if someone returns it and buy something that they truly want. I think, I think there's so many, you know, there's things here, um, you know, if you ask people with the, you know, I, I'm sorry, I keep coming back to this dresser thing. And I have yeah. this, like, I, I have this, like, like image of my head of this giant white fancy dresser, and, you know, but, um, you know, if you ask people like, hey, you know, like, let's say someone wants to give away the dresser, but then they find out that it's actually worth $200. I'm willing to wager that maybe over 70% of people will be like, oh, okay, I, I'm not going to give this one for free now that I know it's worth $200 or something like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, it does change the nature of their charity because it's really easy. And, you know, we, we there's been a lot of TV shows and stuff where some guy gives away an old, you know, Nintendo cartridge. Oh, yeah, this is just a bunch of junk. And then and then there's stories written like, you know, oh, that Nintendo cartridge was actually worth $100,000. And he's like, what? Give that back to me. You know, so there's been like tons of stories like this where it's really easy to be charitable when you think what you're giving away is worthless. 
And then it's a lot harder to be charitable when you find out that what you're giving away is actually a value or priceless or, or something of significant worth. And does that change the nature of the good doer? Like, you know, if they if they if they are giving away charity, but it's you know at first glance they deem that item to be worthless, you know, uh, does that does that change at all? Like, it, it, you know, whether someone gives away something knowing that it actually is valuable. Yeah, I think it does change things significantly. Yes, absolutely. Um, the, um, it's easy to give away something that doesn't mean anything to you. It's easy to give away something that's worth two cents, but it's not as easy to give away something that's worth, I don't know, $200. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot to give something away for, you know, $5,000. It's like, holy crap, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, to have the whole, you know, the whole situation uh, in the gospels where, you know, you see Jesus walking about or something, you know, around the synagogue or something like that. And he sees that there's a, it's people are giving, giving to the, either giving to the synagogue or something like that. And it's given to the temple. And he sees a, a, a some wealthy people giving away quite, quite a bit, you know, and yeah, he sees this, like this little old woman giving away like two pennies. And he, uh, he says, you know, believe it or not, that she gave more than everybody there because they gave out of the wealth of their abundance and she gave out of the little that she had. So it's like, yeah, when two pennies, two pennies compared to, I don't know, $500, two pennies is actually very, very insignificant. But when two pennies is all you have and you're willing to give that away, then you see it, the value, value is not so static value changes based on circumstance, based on, you know, situations. So you find that it's, there's something about giving away things that are, you know, and I like this, there's, a, there's, a, there's something that says, a, um, for all your days prepare, and count them all alike, when you're the anvil bear, when you're the hammer strike. There's something about being, being willing, no matter where you are, no matter what it is to give away, to give whatever, whatever, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter how much it is. It doesn't matter. You count them all alike. From the most valuable to most insignificant, it doesn't matter to you. It's just a matter of giving to another. Now, of course, this is like, you know, uh, mumbo jumbo because, hey, this is, we're living in a very materialistic world. Well, hold on. It's not mumbo jumbo at all because I'm always, when I read articles about this billionaire gave away, you know, two point two million dollars i'm always skeptical of these articles because i always ask myself so even though they may give away 300 million or some huge astronomical number i'm always quietly in the back of my head saying okay what percentage of that you know is that charitable contribution of that person's entire wealth i'm always asking myself that question because you know if if one billionaire gives away three million dollars it might be less than you know 0.5% or whatever of their entire wealth, where someone gives away, uh, you know, a thousand dollars, you know, may, maybe, maybe that was like a significant portion of, the, of their, of their income for that year. So I think, I think the percentage um, of what you give away in relation to your, you know, annual income or annual or, or in, or your entire wealth is a really important question to ask because, you have to, when someone's get like, if a guy has a hundred pizza pies and he gives you a slice, 
it's not, it's not, it's no skin off his back, right? Like he has a hundred pizza pies. He's giving you one slice, but if a guy only has one slice and he cuts it in half or he gives you his entire slice, slice, he's actually bringing harm onto himself in order to give you that slice of pizza. He's denying himself the slice of pizza for you to eat. And I think when we look at altruism, when we look at charity, we always have to be asking ourselves that question of like, what personal sacrifice did you make uh, in order, you know, in order to give that charitable contribution? Did it hurt you personally to give that? And if it did, I, I would venture to say it's of a, of a higher, a higher altruistic worth. I can see that being the case. Um, but at the same time, to me, it doesn't really matter whether it hurts or not, because what's most important is that you are the kind of person who can, so the man who gives out of his hundred pizza pies versus the person who gives out of his one pizza pie. If you're the same person in the sense of, it doesn't matter how much he has, he's just willing to give it freely. That's more important because yeah, there's no need to give away your, all your pizza pies. If you don't need to give away all your pizza pies, you're dealing with one person and giving one pizza pie. But if you're dealing with, a hundred people, then you ask a different story. The question is, are you then willing to give away a hundred pizza pies? So it's it's really about the person, the individual, and the the contents, or should I say the um, yeah, the contents of their hearts, the the flexibility of their being. Are, are they consistent in their giving? Are they consistent to is is giving simply, you know, um, is it is it just a public exercise of, um, of bravado or public exercise of, you know, uh, oh, look at me, I'm, um, I'm, I'm doing something that's I'm trying to gain people's approvals and attentions and so forth. Um, because, man, it, even, even when we give, or even when we give, and it's not simply, and it's not kindness, and it's not goodness, and it's just for our own selfish gains. Sure, one or two people benefit, and I'm glad for it. But you, you yourself, the giver, you've actually done more harm to you than you you know what to um, than you know you know um, how to express. Okay, I think there's a lot of fine distinctions, and I'm glad that you're bringing them up. So let's talk about our person that's giving for charity, and we've discussed this before. The person who gives uh, to charity for fanfare not a good person, right? Like, oh, look at me, I'm giving to the charity, I'm giving this, and like, let's get the, uh, you know, the New York Post here, snap, snap, photo, 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 here's me holding uh, inflated check, right? Like, probably not the best person in the world because they're, you know, they want their social media followers to increase and so forth. Now, I'm gonna use a different individual where, let's say he's not really concerned about giving for fanfare, but when he gives, it's just, it's no skin off his back, right? So it's just like, I, you know what? I, I take one, man. I, I got plenty of these things around the house. Just take one. I don't care. Get whatever, right? And he may not be doing it for the fanfare, but he's just doing it because he has a surplus or an excess of something. And don't get yeah. me wrong. That's a decent guy. He's, a, he's definitely a decent guy. I do think, though, the person who... It, it's like this. Imagine... I see a homeless person, right? And I say, listen, man, I've got like five coats in here. Take one, my friend, take the, take this, the, you know, take one of these. I don't need all these coats laying around here. Again, that person is a wonderful person. Don't get me wrong. They're a wonderful person. I think 
it becomes even harder when you're giving up your last jacket. And now you have to freeze in order to see somebody be warm. I don't know if that's even a particularly wise thing to do, to sacrifice your yourself uh, for the benefit of, of another. But I will say it's probably the hardest thing that a human being, you know, is tasked with doing or, or will do. I don't even, I don't even know if it's a good thing to do to sacrifice yourself, you know, for, for the benefit, for the happiness of someone else. But I think that's a, that's a true test of altruism where you're now in a situation where you're suffering and, and someone else is benefiting. Well, it depends on the kind of, it depends on how you view the nature of the universe. If you think that all the, you know, then all of life is, you know, competition and all of life is self-preservation, then no, it makes no sense. It's actually very contrary. In fact, the fact, the fact is contrary to the nature of the universe begs the question of why we can do it at all. But if you think that that was the case, then it would be completely foolish to do that. It would be completely foolish to sacrifice yourself, your comforts, your, lively, your livelihood, your, um, your pleasures, your enjoyments, your peace for the sake of another. But if you if you don't believe that that is the nature of the universe, if you don't believe that, that is the nature of um, of life, then it makes complete sense. It all depends on where we're standing. We stand. We have two chasms, and uh, each you know. So we have one chasm and um, uh, two 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 mountains. You know, one is uh, one is one mountain is uh, the. the those who believe that life is all life is all for themselves, while the other believe that life is all for the other, and so it really does depend on where you stand. Because to me, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. I don't see how you would do otherwise. How? Why? Why? You know? Why you wouldn't do otherwise? Excuse me. Um, so why you would do otherwise? Thank you. It, it, it's when life, when when you view life, when you see life as as an expression, or should I say, as an expression of love. We see life and the other, and, and you see no distinction between not the, not the, not no distinction in the lali lali daddy daddy way, but in a in, in if there is a true sense of the way, then the true sense we see no distinction between you and your brother, your neighbor. Then yes, it makes sense. It makes sense to give them what what they need, even at the cost of your own comfort. Okay, let me let me throw in some. Uh, you know me; I always like to look for the loopholes. <laughs> um, all right. So let's say you're with a guy, and one of you there's only one jacket, and whoever is not wearing the jacket is going to freeze to death. Okay. Um, and you're standing there, and there could be a number of reasons why you yourself don't give up the jacket. One. I'm afraid to die, right? Like you could just be really afraid to die and, and you don't want to give up the jacket because you're like, well, you know, it's either him or me and I'm afraid of dying and I want to make sure that I'm holding on to this jacket. The other reason could be, you might be thinking in the back of your head, even if you're a decent chap, you might be saying, I do have an obligation to my loved ones to stay alive and support them or, you know, continue being in their lives. I have children. I have a wife that I need to. I can't just I'm going to be letting them down by just freezing to death out here. And, you know, again, there's one. The first reason I gave is a little bit on the selfish side. You're you personally are afraid of death. Fine. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. The second reason might be fairly legitimate. Like maybe you have some some obligations that you need to attend to. Yeah, I mean. That, and those are legit. I would say that those are legitimate reasons. Even even the fear, 
I don't see why, you know, often people think that being afraid to die is some sort of a, a how you say, it, like a, a impediment or a, 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 you know, like almost like a handicap. But I think it makes sense to be afraid of death. And, of, and you know, like I said, a lot of this really does depend on where you stand and how you see the nature of the universe. So being afraid of death makes sense. And I can see a person actually, yeah, letting another person die and holding on to that jacket because they themselves are afraid to die. It makes sense based on where they stand. Um, I can speak about myself personally because I, I don't know that I'll, I don't know what I would do. I, and I cannot, should I say, I know what I'd like to do, but push comes to shove, I don't know. So, and I, and I never want to be in a situation like that. But I'll speak about, I'll speak about the, uh, how you say, um, the ideal man. Is that, yeah, as far as I know, the person who has no regard for his neighbor, no regard and no, no need to regard him whatsoever, and has makes it's a very reasonable man who has a family to look after and so forth. Yes, he will absolutely hold on to the jacket. Why not? There is no reason to do otherwise. But you know, if you're, if you're talking to a person who has who is different, who sees life differently, who does not see it as competition and survival, but sees it as cooperation and love, then you have you'll 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 have to be the one to reason. Uh, should I say, argue with him to find out exactly, you know, why he should, why he shouldn't do, why he shouldn't do what seems so natural to him, which is to take off the jacket and give it to the person who he considers to be either equal to himself or more, more, uh, more important. And to disregard his own life, to disregard, yes, even the comfort of his own family, to disregard, yes, even the, the, the possibility of you know dying a very painful death and so forth and give it to somebody else to him it makes perfect sense so i think it, you know we're dealing with we're dealing with two types of people two types of men and each man's mind and um each man's mind and uh um motive motives motivations uh, are so far apart that's why it's like two mountains separated by a huge chasm it's very hard for them to understand one another. Um, but yes, I think both men exist and I'm, I'm, and I'm more glad, I am more glad for the man who, who will take the jacket off. What you're saying kind of uh, reminds me of uh, Squid Games, the uh, North Korean defector who uh, gives up her life so that the other young lady can live. Mm. Spo- sorry, I, I just gave like a giant spoiler there for those who have not seen the show. <laughs> And here, and, and the thing I think about is the person who doesn't make the sacrifice, the person who does not give up the jacket, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're a bad person, but they're probably going to have to live with a lot of guilt for the rest of their life. They're going to be like, why, why was I the one you know, who had the jacket in the first place? Why didn't I do anything to help that person? Why, why didn't maybe I share the jacket with the other person and maybe take turns wearing it or something? You know, they're, they're going to have to live with a lot of guilt uh, you know, you know, for the remainder of their days, whereas the person who foregoes the jacket, they're going to be in temporary pain because it's freezing cold or they're starving to death or whatever it is. 
but they don't have to live with the guilt. I mean, one, they'll be dead fairly soon. But secondly, you know, they'll probably die without that guilt in their heart of like, well, you know, um, clearly I didn't choose myself over this other person. And there's something about that. I don't know why, but there's something intrinsically like when that North Korean defector lady in Squid Games gives up her life. I almost, I, first off, I kind of saw it coming. I just had a feeling she would do something like that. And secondly, when she did do it, something felt like, wow, like something, something about this feels and looks right because everyone else in the Squid Games is, you know, basically poking everyone else's eye out and scratching and clawing to stay alive. And there's something that's like, inhuman about that like this this it seems like animalistic that like everyone is just pushing people off platforms and doing all of these inhumane things and it, it kind of degrades the human being whereas when that north korean defector does what she does i'm like wow that that something almost magical and something you know almost above being a human being that is is illustrated in that one action <laughs> well yeah uh. I love Squid Games simply because, yes, because, and I I recommended it to a friend. He he had decided not to watch it because of all the hype around it. And I recommended it to him saying, listen, it's just a really good study on human character. It's just a great study on human behavior. And you're right. It's almost what, what she did for the friend was almost uh, um, unnatural. It was almost, there was something beautiful about it. We look at that and we say, wow, what a thing to do. Then we look at the behavior of the um, uh, the Korean man's behavior towards the Indian man. Oh, no, yes. The Indian, the, I think it was Pakistani. It was Pakistani. Yeah. So. I mean, and what a juxtaposition that is. It's all in the same episode. Yeah. Yeah. So you see what he does and what he becomes to survive. And I. I find it interesting that when we look at that, we, we believe there's some, something, at least a great deal of us, I would say majority of the world, will look at that scene and say there's something fundamentally wrong with that. Something fundamentally wrong with that. But it's survival. Survival. Why should he give a crap about this schmuck's life when his life is also on the line? Why? Really, tell me why. What is why? What makes... What makes, you know, this other schmuck's life more important than his? Why should he deceive him? Why shouldn't he use his wits, which mm-hmm. he was, you know, which he has ample of, to deceive this, this man? Okay, well, there's a few things about that. And, you know, uh, for those who don't know, it was a marble game that they were playing. Now, if the Korean man and the Pakistani man had played a fair marble game and the Korean man had won... No one would really fault the Korean guy. They'd be like, all right, it was a fair game. You know, they played fairly. There were rules in the game. And, you know, is it the, you know, like, is it the most virtuous thing to allow that person, the other person to die? No, it's not. But he played a fair, fair set of rules. And then one person had to die. Whereas that guy cheated in order to preserve his own life at the expense of another. So I I think that's the moral line where people are like, okay, do whatever it takes to survive, but don't cheat someone, don't cheat a virtuous person out of their life in order to ensure your own survival. So I think that was the moral line that that gentleman crossed. Yeah, but the the fact that he was able to cheat his way into a 
the victory is, I think it's fascinating. It's just fascinating. Human beings, we're capable of so much. And at least in, in that episode, you see that we're capable of an extreme amount of, uh, what's the word? Violent, grotesque evil, while we're also capable of something almost otherworldly, something very selfless and, dare I say, beautiful. You know? <laughs> It's funny, we're talking about this and people can't see this, but you're actually wearing a, a very pinkish like jacket on right now. And you kind of remind <laughs> me of one of the guards. In, in, in. <laughs> Excuse me, I've got to go put a bullet in this guy's head real quick. Um, yeah. uh, so <laughs> Squid Games is like, I, I, and I think that one episode really, and it's really amazing that it shows the extreme levels of selfishness and the extreme levels of altruism all within it shows the range of here's what's possible and here's what's also possible right and most <laughs> most of us bless you most of us probably just find ourselves somewhere in the middle like i think if you and i were thrown into that situation we would just be like, okay, let's just play this game fairly. And then, you know, if we lose, we're not going to be too happy about it, but we're not going to cheat our way to survival. Right. I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Right. I don't know. I right. Don't know. You know, or, or maybe one of us is capable of cheating or maybe one of us is capable of making an altruistic, like uh, heavenly, yeah, like, like sacrifice. <laughs> to, every, you know, those things, everybody thinks, everybody thinks, you know, we don't, we don't really know what we're capable of as human beings until we're thrown into the midst of it. Everybody thinks that they're going to be wonderful soldiers until they actually see a, you know, to see a bloody war. Yeah. My, my point is that you just, you don't know what you're capable of until, until you're there. Yeah. No. You, you, there, you, you, you'd like to think you'd be capable of, you know, good things, but one never knows. You just, you just never know what, when, when push comes to shove, what you're willing to do to survive. One yeah. thing, one variable that um, I always think about is the person, when you're, when you're deciding to perform some kind of charitable act, the person that is the recipient of that charitable act might actually influence how charitable you are. And I'll, and I'll, I'll give you an example of this let's just say you're in the squid games or you're, you know, freezing with a jacket. And let's just say that guy is fighting to get that jacket off your body. Like he's just like, give me that jacket. Give me that jacket. That, that energy might actually bring out the worst in you, right? You might've, you might in the beginning have been willing to give that guy your jacket, but because he immediately started like trying to get it off your body in this vicious way, you're like, no, now I'm not giving you my jacket. So sometimes I, I, I feel like, the energy that the recipient brings to the table also influences people's behavior quite a bit. You know, like if you're, if you're too overly, like if you're dealing with somebody and they're trying to rip that jacket off, you're like, well, you know, you're, you're not the greatest person in the world. You don't care if I freeze to death. And, and now I'm kind of doubling down now and not giving up my jacket. Whereas if the person was like, well, you know, and they have those puppy dog eyes and are like, well, it is your jacket. I guess I'm going to go here in this corner and, um, uh, you know, freeze to death. <laughs> you, you know, like you might, it might pull on your heartstrings a little bit. So I, I think, I think that variable also matters. Like who, who, who is that person deserving of your charity or are they not deserving of your charity? That's a good question. I think that's a good distinction. Yeah. Personally, you know, I, 
you know, there's certain people that are just uh, certain people and types of people I find it easy, find it hard to stand, find it hard to commun communicate with, or find it hard to be around, you know, uh, weasel, weasel-like people, you know, one of those categories, very um, sly and manipulative, slithering kind of bollockses. I, I, and I can understand that, you know. Um, ah. so I, I, I think I think now we're at something very juicy here, right? Now, awesome. now we're at, we got something. All right, we got true altruism here, right? So let's just say you're, you know, you're freezing cold, and then you're partnered with a little kid, and the little kid has the puppy dog eyes. Please, sir, give me your jacket. Let me live. And then you give him your jacket, and you feel good inside. You freeze to death, but in your last second, you're you're freezing to death. But you're like, I let that little boy live. I feel good about myself. Happy Walt Disney ending, right? Mm -hmm. Does the truly good person give the weasel the jacket? So let's say you've got a guy who's like, you know, give me that jacket, and you you know, you lose your jacket. And the weasel gets the jacket and he's like, ah, you're going to freeze to death. But then you're still like, it's okay. I'm going to let you live. You know, maybe you don't deserve it. You rip this jacket off of me, but I'm still going to quietly freeze here to death. And, and, you know, you let's say you're stronger than the weasel. You could physically overpower this guy and take back your jacket, but you choose not to. And it doesn't really feel good inside because you know, that person isn't really the best person in the world. And they don't look, they're not they're not grateful. They're, they're a complete ingrate. They're not grateful that you gave up your jacket. You know, maybe that's like the highest form of altruism is you're freezing to death and somebody who you don't even like is going to live as a result of your sacrifice. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's part of loving your enemies. Personally, I'd clobber him first and then give him the jacket. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really would. No, I think, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's part of loving your enemy. I think that's a very difficult thing to do. But I think it's possible. Um, and it is it is one of those things where you get no good feeling from, really, if any good feeling. I don't know how you can feel good about any of that. But the truth is that it's still a good thing to do. There is something you're, um, you're putting your own self aside for the sake of somebody else's self. Is it, though? Because... Let's just say that the, the weasel takes your jacket, right? And he's mocking you. He's making fun of you. He says, I get to live. You're dying. And then you end up dying. And then let's say that weasel goes on and continues living. And then when he gets back to society, he still acts like a crummy person. Whereas if mm -hmm. you had just kept the jacket for yourself, you would have gone on to do some wonderful things. So is it really such a good thing? You gave up your jacket to a bad person who lives and then continues to do bad things. Whereas if you had kept the jacket for yourself, you would have gone on to do good things. So is it actually a good thing to give, to love your enemy and give up your jacket like that? My good man, this is a very, to me, this is simple. There are, there are some things worse than death. There are some fates that are worse than death. Some, some, listen, my, I, there are some men who cannot live with themselves if they've been anything other than who they are. If, they can, if they've been anything that they're ashamed of, there's a, if, if their character has been stained in any way, they, they, there are some things worse than death, brother. I think, and I, I think in our world, we don't understand these things anymore. But um, whether, whether he goes on to live a life that is, you know, crummy and useless, that's not my business. 
I'm not morally responsible for the actions of another man. Never have been, never will be. But I am incredibly responsible for my own actions to the very core of why I did them. And um, I, there's something, you know, that's something that bugs me as a guy. I, whenever I cannot look myself in the mirror, there's a problem. I think that to live with yourself that fail, I think they're, they're fundamental places in people's lives where we make, must make choices that define us, that define who we are. And if we make the wrong decisions at those places, we fall into all kinds of crises. So yes, it depends on what's important to you, you know? For me, I, I, I think that there are, there are people out there who, who it is a fate's worse than death to live without a shred of integrity, a stain on your character. It's, a, a, yeah, not an easy thing, I can tell you that much. Yeah, so the so the good so even if the good person quote unquote um, says you know what this guy is kind of a weasel I'm not giving up my jacket he's probably not going to do anything positive and then he keeps the jacket for himself he still has to kind of live with the guilt that he prioritized his own life over that of another and that and and that he will he will personally see that as a stain for the remainder of his life is that. Yeah, I have to, I honestly, I don't want to speak too soon. I actually kind of have to digest. I have to chew on that thought for a little bit because I, I don't know if that person is of the utmost integrity. Maybe there's a little bit of ego at play here. Like they think that they're so good that, you know, that, 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 you know, giving up their jacket is a blemish on their part. I, I don't actually have the answer to that. I need to think on that a little bit and chew on it a little bit. Mm. Um, Okay, so <laughs> we're actually talking about these things at like the absolute highest level. And yeah. I, I think most people are not even uh, close to, to being at this level because if you ask the common person, you know, I, I bring up moral questions like this all the time. And most people are like, I'm going to do, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm getting my butt out of there. I'm getting out of there. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm knocking the guard over the head and doing, you know, like everybody, most people, their knee jerk reaction is, sort of a, uh, a self-preservationist type of attitude. And let's be honest, if we watch Die Hard, if we watch Rambo, if we watch James Bond, imagine James Bond says, I know you're an evil Russian terrorist, but please, you, you can take my life. It's, it, the British Empire is not so important, right? We kind of lose a little respect for James Bond. Like we, we cheer for James Bond because he can kill a hundred guys in a warehouse or something like that. So there is yeah. something fundamentally uh, ingrained in our culture when we see people uh, live and persevere and preserve themselves. That's why we, we cheer for James Bond. So I, I wonder why that is. I wonder why it is that you know our culture is so ingrained with these archetypical characters that you know kill a hundred terrorists in a warehouse and then have a witty line at the end of the movie and we all clap you know it seems it oh, seems yeah. like we were always cheering for people who are really good at uh persevering yeah no yeah <laughs> um, but we're dealing with in, in in that situation we're dealing with uh, with something different with James Bond and you know uh, short, uh, and the Schwarzenegger characters, <laughs> or, or John Wick, 
Um, Remember, Ar- like, imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be dead. <laughs> Altruistic Terminator. I'll be dead, and he I'll just and he just blows up to save humanity. <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing is that even i don't know if you've seen the new james bond i actually haven't seen it so but you, you can yeah. tread lightly go ahead there is a situation where he gives up his own life or sort of for someone else ah. but the point is that you've we've come into when it comes to those kinds of situations we've come into place of you know a different social contract this is where people, you know, it's like what makes it a, what makes a difference, you know, coming into a street and shooting people with a gun versus being on the war field and shooting people with a gun. Same action, right? That's because the circumstances are different. And the street, nobody's, no one believes that when they come out of the street that they're going to be shot at. But when a man or when men, when, men and women come to a, a battlefield, they're absolutely certain they're going to be shot at. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 contract of the situation is you're going to shoot at me and I'm going to shoot at you and uh, let's just see let's you get out of this alive so it's very different when when people are shot and killed on a battlefield it's not really a, a, you don't say it's murder now do you you say it's they say they were killed in action the, you know this you, from, yeah go ahead but when someone is you know obliterated on the street it's murder um, so, yeah, you know, there's this one very I'm sorry, I'm being like a, a super dork today, um, but there's yeah. this there's this um, one episode of Star Wars, uh, the animated series, The Clone Wars. And there's this very interesting episode in there where the Jedi find this planet of alien pacifists and the Empire is coming to kill all of them and they refuse to fight back. They actually say, no, we don't believe in violence. And the Jedi are, even the Jedi, right? And the Jedi are pretty virtuous people. Even the Jedi are like, listen, these people are going to wipe you out. And they're like, then that's the way it's meant to be. Then we are meant to be wiped out. And, and it, it, like, honestly, this is a children's cartoon, but it actually presents a very heavy loaded moral question of like, <laughs> is, that, is that the ultimate form of altruism where, you allow your enemy to wipe you out for the sake of dying, you know, for being virtuous or are the Jedi correct? Like nobody get up and defend yourself. Crazy that that's, uh, it's also crazy that that's in a children's cartoon. Kudos to the writers for like believing in children that much. (laughs) Yeah. Another one, not to skip over that one, but yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's it's an interesting question. Um, I, I can't even begin to say that, (laughs) <laughs> but I can answer that honestly, brother. But, um, but it is it is a, it is a good question. Uh, it, it really is. Where, where do? What is the right? What is the right answer? You know, who, who has the uh, who has the right grasp on this situation? You know, do the Jedi do the Jedi see something that these people are totally missing, or <laughs> are these people seeing something that the Jedi are totally missing? You know what I mean? Is it, you know, because if you have a people like that, you can't, yeah, I I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, go on. It's kind of, you know, the writers of that episode, I think, uh, do a pretty good job. They kind of leave it a a little bit open-ended. Bottom line, I think the Jedi convinced them to to quasi-defend themselves as best as possible, you know, without 
with minimizing the number of casualties or something like that. But it is kind of left as an open-ended question of like, um, is the highest form of virtue, um, you know, does the highest form of virtue require one to sacrifice their own life for the good of, you know, uh, you know, for the, for the good of someone else, right? I think that's, that's the moral question that lies on here. And that's the extent of altruism of like, am I, am I going to pay the ultimate cost for the, for the, for the good of someone else's life? And I think anytime we do something without a reward, especially when it personally hurts us, when we, I mean, when you give to charity, like if I gave $300 to charity, I'm not, you know, full disclosure, I'm not rich enough where if I gave $300, it wouldn't have a dent in my lifestyle, you know, it, it would make a bit of a difference, you know. <laughs> so every time that we do something without reward, we are sacrificing a little bit of ourselves for the goodness of others, right? The ultimate payment would be one's life in the service of others. Smaller payments would be donating to charity or sacrificing your time or sacrificing your energy or sacrificing your reputation for someone else. But it's weird that the more we sacrifice of ourselves, the better we also end up feeling about ourselves. I find that, I find that very interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. Uh, yeah, because I think we we sort of start seeing ourselves as people of some substance. Um, um, that being said, you know, hopefully it's more of a, a natural good to do rather than the chasing of this feeling or what the chasing of you know, chasing what the, the giving or the, the sacrifices afford you. But just a natural, just a natural thing to do for a night or for your people or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, so we're, I think, just over an hour. So to close out here, I think that if we're being honest with ourselves, when we do things with no prospect of reward, we, from unless you're a complete sociopath, you do end up feeling better about yourself. You're happier. You're in a much more agreeable mood. It does sour things a bit, you know, if we're being honest here, it does sour things a bit if that person ends up, the person that you're doing something nice for ends up showing ingratitude or takes advantage of you. But generally speaking, you will have a more general, enjoyable life. And I think, thankfully, most of us are not going to have to make the decision of like, do I pay the ultimate sacrifice uh, for somebody else. But I think even just making those micro contributions and doing those micro good deeds um, is reason in itself. Yes, sir. All right, Kenny, um, thank you for obviously volunteering your time here today. <laughs> Do you feel better about yourself? I am an incredible human being. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you the are. Best. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Mr. Azra. This concludes the 171st episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.